A table of fables. From the constellations to the oceans, all the nations, all our notions, it makes a story, a million stories. Hello and welcome to the Table of Fables. I am James Funny Hat. Thank you very much for tuning in today. This episode is supported by Laylee, who lives in Toronto. Thank you very much, Laylee, for supporting the show. You can support the show by making a donation, and you can find out how on my website, or you can subscribe to the show on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, and most of all, you can tell your friends if you love the show. So, thank you very much. I don't have a funny hat today. I'm just instead wearing my pink flamingo hat, which is not very funny. At least it doesn't look funny. Would you like to hear if it sounds funny? I'll get it. Okay. I'm putting it in front of the microphone. It does not seem to sound funny or look funny. I'll put it back in my head. Now, we have some emails today. There's a question from Avery, who is in Yellowknife Northwest Territories. Dear James Funny Hat, what color is the story bell? Thank you for the question, Avery. The story bell is green. But wait a minute. Didn't Avery ask this question last week? Hmm. There is another question. This is from Ella in Belleville, Ontario. Dear James Funny Hat, are unicorns real? Well, Ella, in Belleville, Ontario, of course unicorns are real. I have seen pictures of unicorns on backpacks, on socks, shoes, books, shirts, pajamas, boots, umbrellas, mittens, gloves. I have seen so many pictures of unicorns, which are horses with horns on their head, that they must be real. If they're not real, how could their pictures be everywhere, Ella? Answer me that. So thank you for the question, Ella. There's another question. This is from Diego in Oshawa, 
Ontario. Hi, James Funnyhat. I was wondering if you have ever eaten soap. If you did eat it, can you tell us what it tastes like so we will know if it tastes good and we should have it for a snack? Well, that is an interesting question, Diego, and I happen to have some soap here, so I will get it and I will try it and I will tell you what soap tastes like. Okay, here is the soap. This is the kind of soap that is a bar of soap, and it's a little bit creamy yellow color, and I'll just have a little nibble. It tastes like... Diego, it tastes like... Um, excuse me, Diego, um, I've, I've got a... I'm going to come back for a minute, okay? Um. Okay. Uh, Diego, I'm back. I'm back. Wow. I have the answer. I just had to go because it's a very strong flavor. I had to get a glass of water. I did not personally like the taste of soap. You might like it. Some of your listeners might like it, but I did not like it. Now, you were wondering what it tastes like. Let me think. Hmm. It didn't taste good. It didn't taste salty. It didn't taste sweet. It wasn't spicy. It wasn't very good. I, I, had to, I really didn't like it. I know what it tasted like. Cilantro. It tasted like cilantro, Diego. Well, soon. We're going to have a story and I have a question that's going to go with the story and the question is this how do you get a good idea if you really needed a good idea because you were in a difficult predicament like say you were lost or you dropped a small important thing inside a very tricky place and you had to get it out where would you get the idea to do what you had to do or where would you get a good idea to do something that you've never thought of? How do you get the idea? It's a very important thing to know because when you grow up, you're going to need all the good ideas that you can get. You're going to have to figure out how to take care of yourself. You're going to have to figure out a way to make the world better. You're going to have to figure out how to look after your own children, just like your parents had to have lots of good ideas to take care of you. So you're going to need lots of ideas. And I think that you're probably going to have lots of ideas and good ideas. But the thing is, what do you do? How do you get them? Do you shut your eyes? Do you scrunch up your face like, I need an idea. Do you have a tantrum? Give me an idea! You need an idea! What do you do? Where do ideas come from? And how do you get them? Well, I don't have exactly the answer to this very difficult question, but I did notice something. I noticed that they do seem to pop out of nowhere, but they also seem to follow you around all the time and watch what you're doing. For example, if you play the saxophone, you'll get a good saxophone idea. 
And you don't usually get a boat-building idea when you're playing the saxophone. And astronauts usually get really good space travel ideas and not baking ideas. And that's good, because say you're an astronaut and you were flying your space shuttle just outside of the Earth's atmosphere and all of a sudden an asteroid hit your tail and you started to spin out of control. When you're in the cockpit and looking at all those buttons, you're really going to need a space travel idea. You're not going to need a baking idea. You're not going to need a soccer idea. You're not going to need a piano idea. You don't want to be like, uh, wouldn't pistachios be nice in my chocolate chip cookie recipe? Ah! <clears throat> Your ship would crash down to earth. So, that's what I have figured out about ideas. I don't know where they come from, but they do seem to follow us around. So if you want a certain kind of idea, you should do the thing that that kind of idea likes. If you want a basketball idea, you should play basketball. If you want a Lego idea, you should do lots of Lego building. If you want a horse riding idea, you should ride horses. If you want, well, you get the picture. Soon. We're going to have a story. And you will hear a bell, and it'll sound like ding, and that will be the story bell. When you hear the bell, put your hands up in the air above your head. When you can't hear the bell anymore, put your hands down, and then the story will begin. So if you hear the bell, hands up. If you don't hear it, hands down, and then the story will begin. Now, just to make sure we are in a very good and relaxed state of mind, take a deep breath in and a deep breath out and another breath in and another breath out in and out. That feels good. Here comes the bell. There was a girl called Elizabeth who loved painting. She would always have a paintbrush or pencil in her hand. And when she got to work, she would get lost in the world of her painting and the hours would fly away like seconds. She loved art so much that art would appear in everything she did. She would set the table for supper in beautiful patterns. When she swept the floor, she would sweep drawings into the dust. When she put toothpaste on her toothbrush, she would squeeze it out into beautiful little statuettes. She would go to the seashore, and as the waves would roll in, leaving the sand smooth, she would make drawings of fish in the sand. If there was frost on the window, she'd use her finger to melt it into the shape of a drawing. If the bathroom was steamy, she would make a drawing on the foggy mirror she would fill entire sidewalks with chalk paintings, and she was so happy when it rained because then she got to start a game, which was her favorite thing of all. One day, as she painted, a small brown bird flew in through the window.
the bird flew right up to the canvas and started pecking. Elizabeth wasn't afraid of the bird, but just kept putting colors where the bird pecked. The bird flew and pecked faster and faster. Elizabeth kept the pace, hardly thinking about what she was doing, just dabbing her brush in color after color, making line after line in a frenzy as the bird flew in frantic circles and Elizabeth tried to keep up. It went on for hours at this pace, until finally she stopped exhausted and fell asleep on the spot. When she awoke, she opened her eyes and saw the most beautiful painting she had ever seen. It was like a whole world full of color, light, and movement. She could hardly believe that she painted it. Her father walked in, looked at the painting, and was stunned. Elizabeth, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Everyone, come see Elizabeth's painting. Her mother and brothers and sisters came, and they were all amazed. They called the neighbors who came, and their jaws dropped to the floor at the beauty of the painting. They called more neighbors, and soon the room was filled with wide-eyed people who stood before the canvas mesmerized as if they were looking at fire. The next day, people were lined up at the door to see it. The painting seemed to have a similar effect on everyone. They wanted to stare to be with it, to linger with it. Many people would look and then just begin to cry with joy. The painting had to be moved to a bigger room and then there had to be a special hall built so all the crowds could see it. So many people were moved by the painting that they showered Elizabeth with gifts of money, silver and gold. Elizabeth's life changed as her fame grew. She became busy all day talking about her masterpiece to people who wanted to hear about how she did it and how she painted. She grew so famous that she couldn't walk down the street without people recognizing her. She moved into a beautiful mansion in the hills surrounded by horses and fruit trees. But Elizabeth didn't have as much time to paint as she did before. In her mansion, she made an art studio so she could work on her next masterpiece that would be even better than the last. It was full of the finest paints, brushes, canvas, easels, everything she would need. There was a big open window for the small brown bird to fly through to paint with her once again. Every morning, she would check to see if the bird was there. And if it wasn't, she would walk the grounds calling for the small brown bird to come again. Come, small brown bird, help me paint my next masterpiece. Come, small brown bird, help me paint my next masterpiece. She would cry out to the trees and the hills. As time passed, Elizabeth became worried the small brown bird would never come again to help her paint her next masterpiece. Years went by, and she would spend her days thinking about the time the small brown bird came she would call for it in the mornings and evenings, but it never came. Meanwhile, dust 
gathered in the studio, coating the brushes and canvas with a thick gray blanket. She never swept it into patterns or drawings. It just gathered more dust to itself. Decades passed, and she grew to be elderly. Her house was in disrepair, and people had mostly forgotten about her famous painting and stopped visiting her because they didn't want to hear her moan and tell tales about the small brown bird. Elizabeth decided to never paint again. She decided she would throw away all her paints, brushes, and canvases. She went to the studio and found there was so much dust she could hardly see what was underneath. Elizabeth began to sweep the dust away. Before she did, she traced a line with her finger in some of the dust that was lying on top of some canvas. She made another line and another and formed the lines in the shape of a tree. She made another drawing in the dust that was lying on top of a box of paints. This drawing in the dust she made into the shape of the small brown bird. Doing this made her feel young and full of energy and playfulness. She smiled and thought to herself, maybe I'll do one more painting. I don't care if the bird comes or not. Elizabeth set up a canvas, and for the first time in years and years and years, sat down and began to paint. At first, it seemed strange because she hadn't done it for so long. But as she continued, she watched her hands make lines and her eyes mix colors. She lost herself in the process for hours and hours. And it seemed like only minutes went by. She woke up the next day and did more. And more the next day. Every day she painted. Until one day, a brown streak flew through the window. It was the small brown bird. Elizabeth didn't even notice at first, but as she painted and the bird pecked, she carried on in an artful dance of movement with the small brown bird. to herself that it seemed like a new masterpiece. She wondered if anyone else would think so too, but then decided she didn't mind if anyone else thought it was a masterpiece. She would put this painting out for people to see, but she would remain in the studio painting, whether the small brown bird came or not. And it did come many times. And Elizabeth and the small brown bird made many beautiful masterpieces together. But the bird never came when Elizabeth called for it. The only sound the bird seemed to be able to hear was the sound of Elizabeth's brushes and paints going onto the canvas. You made it to the end of the story.
and almost the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for coming today to the Table of Fables. I am James Funnyhat. I wanted to thank Laylee in Toronto very much for supporting the show today. If you would like to support the show, you can find out how on my website, which is jamesfunnyhat.com. You can also follow the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can tell all of your friends how much you love the show. Thank you very much for tuning in, and until next time, we'll see you again on the Table of Fables. I'm James Funnyhat. <laughs>